Hey, it's Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek, coming at you straight out of Portal 47. And you're listening to the Shuttle Pod. Oh, I see what you did there. Well, we're back, friends. Episode 51 of the Shuttle Pod, or our second batch of 50 as we rattle towards episode 100. We're all very excited for this. Woo-hoo. My name is Jared Whitley, and that woohoo you heard from was Dr. <laughs> Kayla Icovina. Say, say hi to everyone at home, Kayla. Hello, everyone. And we are, we are joined by our good friends, Matthew. Hello. And, of course, Brian. Greetings. And, and we have a fun and exciting topic today. We are, we're doing another one of those deep dives where we pick a topic and each of us goes through and finds an episode that pertains to that topic. And then we, we sort of go through the same questions, right? So the theme is connected, but, but nothing else connects these episodes, right? And, and what we're talking about today is underrated or underappreciated episodes. So, so I guess what, what defines an episode that might be underrated or appreciated? Well, to me, it was this idea of, you know, everyone has a top 10 list from every series. And there are certain episodes that you know will always fall on those top 10 lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, like, what, what would be some of the, the most you know favorite episodes? Let's see. Um, best of Both Worlds. Yeah, City Best of Both Forever. Worlds. I yeah. noticed. Right. I noticed after we did our top 10 TNG episodes, I've looked at some other lists and the ones that we came up with are, if not in the top 10, usually in the top 15, right? Yeah, so, so there's a so top, co- like, you could probably effect, take a top light. 20. Yeah, Inner Light is a big one. You probably oh, have yeah. a top 20 that are going to encapsulate everyone's top 10, pretty much. So we yeah. thought, but there are really good episodes that are very, very good. They just somehow never make those top 10 lists, and why are they overlooked? Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. So these are ones that are perhaps near and dear to the four of us, but that don't get rated very highly by other people uh, in lists on the internet or just on their own personal lists. I think that, yeah, that I, would be a summary. And I think part of it too is that they're some, sometimes just overlooked that they're not, it's not that they're rated poorly by themselves alone necessarily. Maybe they are, um, but that it's sort of yeah. like, that, that's not the shining example that comes to mind. So we want to like, just give these guys a little boost. Yeah. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. like that movie, the other guys with Will Ferrell and, and, Mark Wahlberg. They're not the stars, but they, they make a great uh, second tier. Would that be sure. okay to say? Can, can I say that they're the Harry Kims? Oh! <laughs> uh. <laughs> Sorry. Poor Harry. Still an ensign. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody has to be the ensign. <laughs> having, having said that, though, looking looking at this list, there, there are two that I think I might put in my own personal like top 20 list for the whole franchise the two that i really think are great but nice. at least in terms of the criteria that we've that we're looking at don't get rated as highly as some other stuff yes and and let's brian if we could just jump into it let's start with yours which i th- i think is a fantastic episode but if you look at the imdb ranking for tng it only comes in at number 39 out of 176 but i think it's much oh. better than that. And yeah that, wow it's, episode, it's better than that yeah much better <laughs> Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about the one you picked? Okay, the episode I picked is Family, which is the second episode from TNG's fourth season. 
Uh, it deals with the aftermath of Best of Both Worlds. The Enterprise is at McKinley Base being repaired. And the crew is, you know, home on Earth. And they're dealing with personal family stuff in many cases. The episode is near and dear to me because after all, after four years, after three years of having a hard time completely warming up to Jean-Luc Picard, this was the episode that, like, really made me a huge fan of him and mm-hmm. I found the character when I up till then yeah somewhat stiff he had gotten better over time he was you know the first season I think we all kind of agreed Picard was a bit of a schmuck <laughs> I wouldn't and... have been excited to work for that guy no, no, especially season and, one Picard, especially. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, season one Picard, and he and he gradually got better as time went on, and I did warm up to him a bit, but I couldn't really embrace the character. He was a little too perfect. He was a little stiff. He hated children. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, I had a hard time. I had a hard time relating to someone like that. So when the horrific thing happened to him with the Borg, it tore away the veneer of the of of the man. Like he just. They took away everything that he was. Yeah. And you get to see, and in this episode, you get to see that he really is human. Mm. <laughs> and you get to see what who he is when he's at his weakest point. And that helped me relate to him. And after that, he's my third favorite Star Trek character after Kirk and Spock. Mm. Nice. But if you had told me that, you know, in the first season of TNG, I would have laughed at you because <laughs> oh, sure. he yeah. just seems so far away from being that the kind of person I would love that much. Mm-hmm. I love that you get to see him go home and try to rebuild his life and have a hard time doing it. The thing I want to say on top of that is I think this is the episode where Picard wrenches focus from the series away from Riker. Because I feel like Riker is kind of like the main guy in the, in the first two seasons, certainly, especially with the idea that he's the one who leads the away team, and so he's the one who has the more uh, um, interesting action, I guess, so to speak. And, and this is the one where where he, we the series says, no, Patrick Stewart is a much better actor. Picard is more interesting character, <laughs> yeah. and it kind of captures it. Yeah. And, and yeah. specifically with the legacy of the best of both worlds, I think people forget that those are actually Riker episodes. Picard, because he's Locutus for most of it, uh, actually doesn't have a lot to do in those episodes. He kind of right. disappears. Yeah. Yeah. And there was even that threat of, not threat, but but um, the cliffhanger, where Riker could have become the captain if if, mm-hmm. the, if Locutus had been destroyed. And so I think this episode is so remarkable in basically forming that trilogy of, of stealing Riker's best hour from him. And you look <laughs> at at the the uh, first contact which is all about Picard looking back at best of both worlds and if family hadn't been so strong I don't think they would have made first contact have the emotional weight for Picard that it did for sure so really significant episode Mm -hmm. and and then also the wharf stuff because this continues the through line yeah wharf's discommendation that would go to set up the cliffhanger for the fourth season right Mm -hmm. also there's some Wesley stuff and there's a little bit of Wesley stuff. Yeah, I was going right. to bring we, that yes. up. Yes. And we finally get to see Jack Crusher. Yeah. Yep. And that, it's okay. It's not bad. Yeah, it's yeah. not bad. It's, fine. it's not bad. That part isn't bad. Yeah. Yeah. You expected it to be a little deeper than it actually was. Yeah. But it's, it's a little shallow. Yeah. Is that the, is that the thing where he goes into the holodeck? 
Yeah, he's, yes. got, he's got like an interactive recording basically for him. Yeah, it's behind. yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, like he recorded it when Wesley was like two months old or something. It's yeah. kind of like Jor-El speaking to Superman in this Fortress of Solitude. Something like yes. that. Yes, totally. Exactly. Or, yeah. or, or like when Michael Scott creates a video to teach his son how to change a tire on a car and how to take off a woman's bra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which now that Rain Wilson is Harry Mudd, I can make office references on the pod, the shuttle pod. <laughs> That's right. Canon. It's, a, it's official now, folks. It's yeah. canon. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I do really like Worf's parents' storyline. They're just sort yes. of they're charming. They're fun. The Roshenkos. Yep. The Roshenkos. The Roshenkos. Yeah. They are super charming. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. Because they're so. And different Worf clearly Worf. does love them. Yeah, but he clearly does love them. Yeah. Right. He's all embarrassed by them, but, but you know, not really. No more embarrassed than anyone sort of would be of their parents, you know. And yep. It's great. Prune juice, you know, gets mm. brought up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was good. That. Warrior's yeah. drink. It's a warrior's drink, yeah. <laughs> the other thing I love about this episode is the fact that really nothing happens in it. It doesn't really have a plot. No, it doesn't. Hmm. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just, just, it is just slice of life. Basically. Yes, it is slice. It's a character piece, mm-hmm. which is it's one of the few episodes of Star Trek that's like this. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe that's why it's so refreshing too. Honestly, it's yeah, just, it's just different. Yeah, hard to do that. well though. Yes, yes, very hard to do well. Yes, I agree. Indeed. Very hard to do well. I mean, I don't know this for certain, but this might be the one episode that has the least amount of time on a starship. Oh yeah, they don't yeah. even show. They don't even show the bridge. Yeah, I think you're right. No, you never see the bridge in this episode. And you don't see Data. Yeah, you're in Picard's quarters, and you're, I think you're in Beverly's quarters at one point. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, because she's right. got Jack's remains. Right, and then you're in 10 forward when Worf is taking people. But it's like, it never feels like a starship show in any way. Mm-hmm. It just felt... So, I just love the fact that it really just shows these people as people. Yeah. I remember really liking that that Picard and his brother got into an honest to goodness brotherly fight in the mud you know like yeah. I, I just I just liked mm-hmm. it it was like this is instantly okay I you know I can I can relate to that right like I have yeah. I, I have a brother you know like it, this all makes sense like I can relate to that you know yeah but Robert as much as you know they did not get along Robert was provoking him because he because clearly and this is a credit to Patrick Stewart it is very obvious Throughout most of the episode, the Picard is not himself. Right. Like, right. Even when he's trying to be pleasant and everything, you can see on his face that he's oh yeah still pretty his, beat his, up. His brother is purposely trying to break him because he yeah knows, he's he provoking he him. Yeah. Yeah. He knows he needs to let it out, right. and that's and then and as soon as he does that, Picard falls apart and starts crying. Right. So Th- this is also one of the few episodes where Picard is very French, right? Because usually he seems a little bit more British. Yep. Oh so yeah. For here, 100% for yeah. To be British in France. Yeah. Uh, drinking drinking wine and all that stuff. He seems a lot more French than he does. And of course, I also I really like that they set up uh, Rene, his nephew, mm-hmm. to yeah. later play himself as a young man in two seasons. <laughs> That's right, they do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, as I, I rewatched this episode a couple of days ago, and it does break my heart knowing you know you see at the end. Yeah. 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 You know, especially at the very last shot of the episode uh-huh. when that when beautiful Robert last is saying, shot. you know. Looks yeah, like, let, him dream, let him dream. Let him dream. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. And they cut to that shot, and then you you know what their ultimate fate's going to be, yeah. and it just kind of it, yeah. it kind of it kind of breaks your heart. You I know? really, honestly, I really wish they hadn't done that. I think yep. 
They yeah. did that. They did that simply for like heavy metaphor. So, you know, Malcolm McDowell could say things about like, fire and time. Time is the fire in which we burn. But like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> otherwise, it's really cruel, cruel to Picard and his family. Yeah. You know? for, very... for those of you who don't remember, they died in a fire. Yeah. A fire, by the way, in the 24th century. Really? What? Yeah. Like, which led to yeah. It but was anyway. very poor. Even I think even Ron Moore said in retrospect that was that a was huge terrible. Mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they needed to give Picard a reason to feel those emotions, though, and that did it. They did, but oh, man, but poor Renee, why? <laughs> I know, it's, it's really sad. Yeah. Anyway, I just love this episode. It gets me every time I watch it. I think it's yeah. a great pick, Brian, and I think you've given me a renewed appreciation for it, hearing what you had yeah. to say oh. about it. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I think, very nice I think as we've said, it really completes the best of both worlds, and it's actually kind of Best of Both Worlds is almost incomplete without it. It's like it part so, three. Yeah, it's yeah. like part three. And so I think because of that, it's interesting that the IMDb ranking, it really should be much higher because they're almost a necessary like trilogy. You know, mm-hmm. like really this should be higher. And maybe, oh, absolutely. And maybe right after Best of Both Worlds, maybe, you know. And you want you want to know what's crazy about this? That they had to be talked into doing this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard that. I can't even... They were going to go straight from Best of Both Worlds yeah. into a normal episode well, of the series. Well, you know... Gene says everybody's perfect and you bounce back from everything, right? Mm. Death death isn't really a problem, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. It's like, okay. Yeah, so Michael Piller and Rick Berman and Ron Moore pushed somehow, yeah. got got pushed and somehow turned Gene around on it and the show got made. Thank goodness. Thank God. Seriously. That would have been completely absurd yes. to, you know, have that event happen to that character and right. then just sweep it under the rug and go yes. back to I mean, it. He was essentially next week on robot. Star Trek. Not just the character, but like the whole Earth, right? This was like the, yeah. the first time there'd been an invasion on this scale in a hundred years or something. Yeah. I mean, if, if TNG were being made now, I think the aftermath of Best of Both Worlds would last an entire season. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Or at least half like a They season. would not have done one episode and then like, okay... Like you know, you would have, Picard would have gone through a lot more than what we saw. Sure. Yeah, and I think they would you have know. they would have shown Earth more and how it affected Earth and yeah, and, and the, the human Earth. cost of yeah. the Starfleet and everything. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, we would have gotten amazing Wolf three five nine battle uh, CGI, I guess. For oh, once. Well, yeah. you know what well, I mean. Well, we 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 did get an amazing Wolf three five nine battle uh, in Deep Space Nine. Deep we Space did in Deep Space yeah. Nine. Yeah, we, it's true in Deep Space Nine. But you're right. Yeah, it, it would have been, been bigger. Uh, the other thing, yeah. though, is I think for the time it was remarkable how much they did that was like the uh, aftermath of Best of Both Worlds. Because it's not just this, but they mentioned it a few times throughout the fourth season about the fleet being depleted and yes. Federation mm-hmm. isn't, isn't in a place where they are as powerful as they're used to being. There's that line in The Wounded where where Captain Maxwell, uh, Chief O'Brien's former captain, like the first thing he says when he sees uh, Riker is, damn fine work you did with the Borg there. We all owe you for that one or something like that, right? Right. So there, there is for, for 1990 or 91, whenever it was. That's really, uh, it's really they did really good work. I agree. And this episode, in I don't know if it was deliberate or inadvertently, but it sets up the tone of the fourth season of the show. Because hmm. there's a lot of family stuff. Oh yeah, because I think fourth season wasn't the very next episode brothers. Yep. Or. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with Data and Lore Data and Doctor Soong, yeah. but there's just a lot of that kind of dynamic. Oh yeah, and then the reunion with Kalar and Alexander. Yeah, yep. yeah. There's a lot of stuff that like in, in that kind of thing going on during yeah. the season. So, 
This is when TNG really started to hit its stride. Definitely. This is, yeah. Do you think the fourth season is the best season? Uh, Ooh. Fourth or fifth? I'm not sure. Yeah, four, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I could pick yeah. one or the other. Yeah, I can't quite say. But right here is peak TNG for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. No doubt. I, I, I think the peak is about halfway through season three to about halfway through season four. So this is in the peak. Okay. I'd, yeah. I'd buy that. that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, good. I mean, really, you can make the argument pretty much anywhere between three and six-ish, maybe? Part of the six, you know? Before all the good writers went over to Deep Space Nine. Yes, exactly. (laughs) 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 Exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's kind of mean to some of those guys. Naren Shankar and stuff did a fine job. Before the writers who I prefer went over to Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, but I, I unless there's anything else we have to say about family, uh, let's let's look a l- back into Earth's history with the episode that Kayla has. Yes, yeah, so I picked a an episode of Voyager called the Thirty Sevens. Um, some of you may remember this one. It's the first episode from season two, so it's an earlier one, and it's of course you may remember it as that one with Amelia Earhart. Um, yes, that is so how I course, would describe it. Yeah, that, then everyone goes, "Oh yeah, I like that yeah. one." Or the one with the floating forge. Or the one with the truck. Other, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. So the, the 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 the, sh- the episode opens on um, Captain Janeway going, "What we found rust in space? How is that possible?" And they trace this rust, but with the, which also has um, complex organics in it, like benzene and acetylene. And they trace it back to this floating Ford truck. They beam it aboard. Uh, Tom Harris knows way too much about it, including how to start it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, which kind of throws back to what I said, where I feel like they wanted Tom Paris to be the main character, where they're always making him the guy for stuff like that. Well, I certainly think they wanted him to be like this gearhead, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, and he's like, and cool, because he's into retro stuff. Yeah, and this totally mm-hmm. sets up the through line of him liking retro stuff. Yeah, and doing the Delta Flyer. Like the Delta Flyer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, and even like Chaotica, Bride of Chaotica. And oh, that absolutely. Because that's, that's like also the his... retro vibe. So, yeah, but... That's all his jam. Yeah, so, so, and they never explain how the car still has fuel in it and how the battery still works, but whatever, that's fine. <laughs> so they start it's up this an alien car, battery. and there's, you know, there's some jokes about it, and then um, they they turn on the AM radio and they hear this distress call. Follow, it's an SOS. Follow the SOS signal to this planet where they can't send in anyone by transporter because of the. Oh gosh, I can't remember the techno babble where they use some it, kind of interference in the atmosphere. Is it interferometric particles. It's not interferometric particles. It's, it's something of some sort. I'm sure. It's, I'll look it up. it's something it up. in can, the atmosphere. Anyway, oh, oh try, try nimbic interference. There you go. <laughs> try nimbic okay. interference. I don't know if okay. I've ever heard that one except for in this episode. I've never. That's yeah, great. No it's great a techno babble right there. Yeah, tech the tech. So instead yeah. of checking the tech, because they can't transport in, they can't send a shuttlecraft, but they can land Voyager. And yeah, I love this about this like, episode. Wow. Is this the only time we see Voyager land? No, they do it a couple no, times. No, they do no, it on uh, the, the time yeah. travel one with Jordy. Okay. Well, that's okay. Crash, but they actually do it in one of them with the weird... Yeah, uh, they, they do it like three or four yeah, times. They, okay. do it, they, they don't do it yeah, often. They do it two or three times. But this no, is the first often. time we ever see it land, and it's you know yes. it's, it's a unique feature of the ship, which is cool. Mm. So we get to see that happen. Um, and, of course, uh, they go to this planet, and they find Amelia Earhart... Um, her navigator Fred and some other random people who we end up not Fred, caring too much right. about um, yeah. in stasis, you know, defrost them 
And it turns out that a bunch of people had been abducted by aliens from the Earth in 1937, hence the name the 37s. And most of them were brought to this planet and defrosted, and those people went on and had kids, and now there's thousands and thousands of people living on this planet, but this group of people never got defrosted until Janeway and her colleagues came along. And so I think it's a it's an often overlooked episode. It's an earlier one. It's uh, definitely before the show hit its main stride and figured out what it was. I like yeah. some of the the earlier elements of it. I like that they still use the MacGuffin of maybe we can find a way home, uh, you know, by investigating mm-hmm. what's going on on this planet. Right. Um, right. And they use that well. Like it's it's they're legitimately like, well, something from Earth made it all the way out here. It stands to reason it could help us get home. That that follows for me. Uh, and for a lot of the series, they don't. It's like they don't even care about getting home, you know. And yeah. they kind of ignore that. So it's nice that they're still pulling that string along. Um, I love that it's fun and goofy. Uh, I love fun and goofy episodes. I like I like feel good episodes. You know me. Sure. And this one very much is a feel good mm-hmm. episode. Um, but it's written well enough that you sort of celebrate the weirdness of the episode. You're like, oh, haha, very funny. It's a it's a what if story of what if Amelia Earhart really was abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, I, yeah. I also I would classify this as a Voyager episode that does a great job of channeling the spirit of the original series. Because I put Captain Janeway meeting Amelia Earhart kind of in the same box as Captain Kirk meeting Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, I sure. would say yes, yeah. but I would say that the Abraham Lincoln one is way goofier. Oh, it is. I would not disagree absolutely. with oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But like, but this one is, is along, it's all, yeah, the, the setup is along those same lines, right? Um, but it's, it's, I think it's written well enough and you actually root for the characters. And I also love that it's one of those, I like to th- I like to call them the fish out of water stories or rather like a fish out of time story where you take someone from like near modern day or from the past essentially or from like a primitive culture or something and bring them into the future you know so there's episodes where they beam people aboard the ship first they're like we have to show them and they do this in tng all the time constantly Um, who watches the watchers yeah yeah yeah, it's exactly what i was thinking of um or other episodes where they're uh, the first contact the episode first contact yep Yep. or the or the um the movie first contact Oh, Same sure. Thing. Lily, Lily. Yeah, Lily yeah, yeah. on the ship. It's that Lily, so, yeah. So they get to do that. And I, those are always fan favorites, those kinds of things where you get to see the person like, wow. Because you kind of imagine that could be you, right? Like yeah, being yeah. beamed onto a spaceship and stuff. Yeah. So, and the other thing I really love about this episode is that it's very much a hashtag feminism episode. And, you know, it, 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 it actually celebrates and explores the history of women in aviation that sure, led yes. mm-hmm. to Captain Janeway, right? And so it's mm-hmm. Janeway getting to look back on this, but it's also sort of a wink and a nod to the audience. Like, we're still making this progress, and and here's a show it made in the 90s that's looking back to 1937 and looking ahead to the 24th century um, and and seeing how you know how far women can come in that time. Mm-hmm. So that's I think it's it's overall like it's an it's an excellent episode. Oh and and the other thing I wanted to mention too is this um idea that they they it's it's one of the episodes and they do this several times where they struggle with the idea of the the crew wanting to sort of just stop and give up the search yeah. for home. Oh yeah, and, that's right. And settle on a planet. Yeah. Especially just, early on they want to do that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So early on when they're like 
you know, is this a futile attempt? We don't, we don't know if we're ever going to get home in our lifetime. Do we want to spend our entire lives on a starship? Or maybe sh this pl planet's great. It's got cities. We'll just live yeah. here. And, of course, there's a very memorable scene where Janeway and Chakotay walk up to the cargo bay. She had told everyone, if you want to stay on the planet, just report to the cargo bay at 1,500 hours and mm -hmm. not a word will be said. You know, you can go mm -hmm. here and we'll go on our way. And, of course, she walks in the cargo bay and is telling Chakotay, I'm, I'm almost scared to go inside. I don't want to lose all these people. And she walks in and it's empty. Mm. And yeah, that was a good moment. Yeah, it was a really nice moment. And it's... Uh, and it's important, too, for setting that up, I think, for the rest rest of the series, really, that people had committed to trying to find their yeah. way home. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's one of those that often gets overlooked, but I would definitely put it very high on my personal list because I think yeah. it's a good episode to watch. And it, I, I also rank episodes highly that I think are good intro episodes to someone who's never seen the series. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and this is definitely a good yeah, one. Yeah, I think this pulls people in. It makes them understand who the characters are and kind of get on board with the story, and it's standalone. Um, another one uh, that I that I almost picked uh, today was uh, Blink of an Eye, um, which is one of my very, very favorite, maybe my favorite Voyager episode. That would be the first episode I would show anyone um, who hadn't seen Voyager before. Um, but it turns out that a lot of people agree with me, and that's actually rated quite highly. So I wanted to kind of shout out more to the 37s, because I think it's one that people forget about until you say, yeah. it's the one with Amelia the Earhart, and they go, oh, yeah. yeah. Another interesting thing about the 37s, and you can see it in what we just talked about, how there were, like, it, the Voyager, like, landed, and there was that decision that people wanted to stay behind. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed, but <clears throat> it was actually supposed to be the season one finale. Oh. And it was held, it was held oh. over the season two. Why was it held over? Because because UPN does dumb things and they shortened the season one and they kicked four over to season two. Oh, season is... one uh. is actually very short compared oh. to the rest of them. Because I believe the next one after that is uh, is basics, right? And that that one feels much more like an intro. Huh. To a, a, a next huh. season. Uh. Wait, you're saying the finale of season two is basically? No, yeah. that's the next. No, that's the end of season two. Sorry, I'm getting my years confused. Yeah. Sorry. So see, it's, 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 got that, it's got that feeling, see? But it has the feeling. The 37s was actually supposed to be the end of season one. And you can see where it's set up to do that. Like yeah. They land. Yeah, yeah. They start to make this like decision of what maybe people will stay behind, right? So they could have ended like right there and then picked up again the next season. And instead, we're told... And we're bumping these, like, we're shortening season one and we're bumping them to season two. So rewrite it so it resolves itself in 45 minutes. Thanks, you know? <laughs> I think this would have been great as is as a season one finale. I don't think they needed to do some stupid cliffhanger of who's going to leave and then have it be no one. Oh, I don't, I don't know if they were going to make a cliffhanger. I'm just sort of supposed okay. to. Okay, yeah. But I, I do know this was supposed to be the season one finale originally. I think it I think it sets a, I think it's really nice as season, season one finale because like I said it establishes this idea of mm -hmm. okay we've all decided now it's taken us a season to get to the point where everyone's committed to this journey. Definitely. Yep. So regardless of the things that went wrong on Voyager and that they could have used more tension with the Maquis and et cetera et cetera, this was regardless of all that. <laughs> I think this still was a great way to to do to sort of tie up some of those ideas. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree, completely agree. And hashtag feminism. Kayla, you mentioned blink of an eye, and and we had some synergy for why why we th we first thought about that episode. 
And that leads us into Matt's episode. Ah, yes. Wink of an Eye from the original series, the third season. So for those who don't remember, it's the one where a group of aliens who exist in a state of incredible acceleration invade the Enterprise and want to abduct Captain Kirk. Hmm. So this is one I always find interesting in a couple for a couple of reasons. Um, one is I always like the accelerated state that they're in. That's always sort of an interesting sci-fi thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. how, how do people exist? Um, and um, why is this less beloved, since we want to answer that question, too? I think a lot of this hap- happens because it's just mixed in with season three. I think yep. because season three is just so <laughs> uneven. It's just so uneven. And it's mostly, a menagerie. Yeah. And mostly of terribleness. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, there are maybe there are maybe three or four really good episodes in season three. Exactly, and and so I think this maybe on a curve, especially grading on a curve, kind of this rises to the you know towards sort of the <laughs> rises towards the top middle, you know, grading on a third season curve. Yeah, especially on a third season curve, I think this rises up towards the top. Um, it's not necessarily though, like overall, it's actually we were talking about before we were sort of talking about. Um, more imdb likes to rank episodes and out of the whole 80 you know original series episodes it's way low at the bottom it's like number 60 i was shocked to see how low it was me me too because i I guess i guess maybe see if you put in season one and two it drops a lot but if you grade on the season three curve i think it rises (laughs) up (laughs) i still think it's better than 60 it's a cool episode i think it's better than 60 yeah it's got cool ideas it has really cool ideas so, for, for example, I really like that somehow you can get accelerated by drinking their water. Like, don't, don't look too hard into how that could work, right? But, and that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the sort of beauty. That's like the beauty of the original series especially is they don't need to scan it and find, like, you know, temporal isotopes in the water. That's just, it just happens. They don't, they don't stop to explain it, right? Temporal like, isotopes. You know, that's exactly what would happen if this was a voyage. I didn't, if it was I'm a laughing because episode. I didn't even... I didn't even stop to think that that was a stupid thing to say because yeah. that's it, so it, exactly what they would it's say. It's so ingrained into like later, yeah. later track, right? So instead, like they just accelerate and they disappear from our, you know, ability to see them just, and people wonder, well, what the hell just happened? And I like the fact that, um, when you accelerate, you basically sound like an insect to mm-hmm. every, everyone else mm. because you're so accelerated. Of course, that's just, you just become a high pitched annoyance basically when you try to speak to someone um i think it's pretty cool i think uh i think it's fairly memorable for there's a really kind of iconic shot that i think has been on all kinds of posters and calendars where kirk attempts to use a phaser while he's accelerated and it like does it it comes out Mm. like a slow little little you know oh yeah yeah that's that's nothing it means it's it's that you can sidestep it and like yawn and sidestep it you know but it's it's a cool shot. It's a really cool effect shot, and it's just uh, it's a great you know illustration of oh yeah, <laughs> you're accelerated. Therefore, the old tools, these tools that are for our level of you know acceleration, don't do anything to them. Doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also kind of intriguing that if you accelerate like a normal person to it, because of their acceleration, if you in any way damage them, like get damaged, it basically damages yourself to the point where you perma age and die because yeah because you're so accelerated so it's so hard on your body it's so hard on your metabolism 
to be accelerated like that that the slightest injury basically ruins you which i don't know if that you know i don't know if that really holds up to scrutiny or not but it's kind of cool like Mm -hmm. it's a cool idea um and of course we have the alien babe of the week which is a little (laughs) bit of a trope yes but she's kind of cool she's kind of interesting like she's a little i think she's better than a lot of the you know babe of the weeks that happened especially in season three which is chock full of really yeah uh eye-rolling uh women that just sort of show up right i mean how many of them just appear on the enterprise in season three like in spock's brain lady shows up you know that which survives you know lee weremother just appears on the bridge and that which survives it's such a trope of season three so it's nice to see someone who sure she appears and she accelerates kirk because she finds sort of an interest in him but it's not quite it's at least not quite the same it's not quite as bad you know they do something creative with the cinematography where when they're accelerated they use what are called dutch angles where they yep, tilt the dutch camera angle. like at 45 angle a 45 degree angle and, and to show that he, he when kirk or spock when he gets accelerated to are kind of out of whack which it, yep. it's not a particularly subtle technique but it definitely communicates that these guys are unsettled when when this when they're going through this experience so much yeah. better yep attention to detail than I think you'd get from an average TV show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, good point. The Dutch angle made made famous by Batman 66. Anytime mm-hmm. you were hanging out with a villain, it was twisted that way, too. Mm-hmm. The Batman angle. Yes, indeed. But yeah, good point. I totally forgot about that. Of course, everything's slightly twisted and off-kilter, so you yeah. know, like, you feel a little wonky. Like, whoa, I just accelerated, <laughs> you know? It's like you can tell. Is this is this the episode where Picard? Epic, sorry, jeez. Is this the episode? <laughs> is this that episode where Kirk kisses that chick and then punches her in the face? No, that's Gangsters no. of Triskelion. That's Triskelion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, She's wearing right, that right, collar right. thing. So, so this one. But speaking of the the truck babe of the week, which this that was is the ac- one. that was actually a Jeopardy question a couple days ago, and I knew it because they was answered, it really not that episode, but just the idea of Triskelion until I remember. Anyway. Interesting. How 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 uh, esoteric of them. Um, but speaking of Dila is her name. Let's look. we don't have to call her the babe of the week. That's kind of insulting. <laughs> um, Dila, she's the leader of the Scalosians, which is the planet that they respond. You know, to the weird distress call that they're lured into, basically. So um, anyway, the interesting part. This is one of those interesting bits of trivia. Is this is the only episode where there is a pretty clear implication that Kirk actually slept with the alien chick yep. of the week. Oh, tell us about yeah, this. The it's one, pretty overt, actually. It's, yeah, it's the one and only time that they've actually went as far to pretty strongly imply that. And that is that eventually, that in, in this, you know, when he sort of makes up and tries to sort of play nice with Dila, eventually they cut to Kirk sitting on the bed, putting his boots on. And Dila's over and there kind of combing hair. her hair from getting up, yeah. you know, the, be- the the sex hair, basically, teasing that out. And, it, and it's like, <laughs> hmm, how racy of you. Like, that's, but that truly I don't is, know how that got past the censors in 1968. But that it's truly amazing. is the only time that that kind of thing has ever been, like, you know, strongly implied wow. in the original yep. series. It's very interesting. So it kind, yep. of, it kind of stands out almost for that alone. It's like, here's this interesting little tidbit of Trek history right there. Um, and then there's the other plot that this involves is not just sort of trying to figure out 
uh, you know, using Kirk for breeding stock, which is sort of part of it, right? He's like a strong leader, so she wants a strong leader to help them because they're live accelerated lives that damage themselves and, you know, yada, yada. Because, um, but that they also want to convert the Enterprise into basically a deep freezer for more genetic, you know, samples when they need it, basically, which is kind of weird, but I like, guess, Like sure. a sperm bank? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they can thaw they can thaw mates out basically when they need them to mate with. Bre- yeah, breeding stock. Yep, exactly. It's never quite clear how that would work and why them being accelerated is like weaken their genetics, you know, so that they don't really procreate anymore. So well, it, I, I don't recall are they naturally sense. accelerated? Well, well that's what's never yes, really uh, answered I, exactly. I think it's implied I, I, they are. I think they are, aren't they? Well, I don't know because they they land there and they wonder what happened, and they get a distress call that seems to be in real time, right? Like, they get a distress mm. call that's not accelerated, per se. And so it's not exactly clear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, a sort of TOS, they don't need to explain it all. It's just, here's, you know, weird circumstance of the week, and here they are, you know, trying to take over the Enterprise, so... Sure. We side with our heroes, you know, that sort of thing. I believe this episode is the final contribution that Gene Kuhn had to Star oh, Trek. Cool. Oh, yeah. I, Good, yeah, yeah. Under his pen under, name of Lee Cronin. Under Lee Cronin, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this was it. I, I, I could be wrong. I did not research this. I am making this blanket statement. I could be incorrect. <laughs> but I think this is Gene Kuhn's last contribution to Trek. Unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Sad that he wasn't around. Oh, no. Guess what? His last one. His last one. I just looked it up. Is sadly he goes out on kind of a low note. His last one is "Let That Be Your Last Battlefield." Oh, that was him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. See, great second cosplay to last. though. Second to last. Yeah, great cosplay though. <laughs> I did that once. Oh, you did? Oh yeah, me and Andy did it. That's fantastic. <laughs> I can't remember which one of us was Loki and which one was Beal. <laughs> that doesn't I don't matter. I was going to say knew. it doesn't matter except for to them. I know. But we did well, have one so, of us was black on the right side and the other was black on sure, the left side. That's the sure. Did you go running around the convention? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sharon is burning. Uh, <laughs> running around. But we digress. Uh, <laughs> that's a different episode for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think, though, the point is this is worth a second look because especially on the season three curve, it, it lends itself more towards like the top, you know, sort of middle top area. Um, I think it stands out from others. Again, I think we were talking about how it stands out from others where like mysterious women show up on the ship because that becomes, unfortunately, a cliche mm. in season three. I think it stands out from a lot of them as being actually kind of interesting, like with an interesting, very sci-fi like premise to it, you know, about the, the sped up people. And it has that good old real implication of sex for the first time that's kind of you know a worthwhile note <laughs> bonus okay. point the, the other thing that scene where he's putting mm-hmm. on the boots they use that i don't know if you remember this uh video from a few years ago where someone put at scenes from star trek to the kesha song TikTok. yes oh yes yes it, that's right it's in there yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of great i love that i love that video i have not i seen usually that hate those kind of things because they usually just not that good but this one's this one's pretty on point it's a masterpiece they put a lot yeah. of effort into it they really did yeah maybe we should drop that into the yeah That's like, i guess it's a show note for us yeah we should yeah. make yeah. that someone someone note cool. that down you can find it on trekmovie.com 
<laughs> All right. Any any final <laughs> thoughts on Wink of an Eye, Kayla, Brian? No, I think we've covered everything. You yeah. Need to cover on that. <laughs> yeah. Fun episode. Fun yes. episode. Good times. Yeah. Good times. Good times. But we we do have one more episode to talk about. We do. Um. So let's fast forward a little bit. Um. Mm-hmm. Back to the next generation for Jared's pick. Aha. What you got for us? You might say this is the peak of season two. I would, uh. I, I would agree with that. Well, I don't know. I think a lot of people probably like Measure of a Man better, but I, I know I, I had. To. But there's my terrible segue for you all. Sure. That, that's the other thing. In terms of terrible puns, that's a great way to segue out of Wink of an Eye because I think it has the best oh. He-Man ending of all Star Trek because Spock makes that joke about it being an accelerating experience. Right? Oh my gosh, you're right. Oh, yes. that's right. Oh. Good I mean, times. That, that's awful. That's awful. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> anyway. Okay, so peak performance. <laughs> So this is, uh, looking at the, IM, so just sort of the, the catch-up, this is an episode that happens uh, toward the second to last episode of season two. This is uh, the Federation's response to the Borg threat is they feel they need to do some combat training with their captains who mm-hmm. maybe have gotten a little uh, um, rough around the edges with the piece to the Klingon, following the piece with the Klingons. And so kind of like family, this is another instance where the idea of the Borg inspired a lot of really good episodes that the Borg aren't even in. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think mm-hmm. one of the most famous things for this episode is we have that that really weird kind of weaselly alien who's like this great st- strategist. So that's something mm-hmm. that a lot of people remember. And then, of course, that scene where he's playing the 3D computer game with Data that actually still kind of looks cool 20, 30 years later. Yeah. It, and anyway, mm-hmm. so in terms of ranking, on IMDb, this is ranked number 62 out of 176, right? So it, it's it, hmm. the very top of the middle third is how it would be. Um, and <laughs> I, uh, I submitted this. There's this video reviewer, SF Debris, and I actually submitted this to him a few years ago to do a review about this. And he gave it a 4 out of 10, which I thought was unfair. So, but that's sort of the bottom of the middle oh. third. Yeah, yeah, it's a little too harsh. But so this is definitely seen as a a middle of the road episode, but I stridently disagree with that reputation. This uh, I think I would put in my top ten TNG episodes, possibly top wow. five, depending. Wow! Depending wow! On the wow. I, I agree with the top ten for sure. I haven't really thought it over about five, but oh yeah, wow. I agree with no ten. Kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna go through the things that I the thing I like best about this episode is they give every character something interesting to do. Right. There's there's cool Picard stuff. There's cool Riker stuff, of course. There's cool Jordy stuff. There's cool Wesley stuff like they use Wesley saving the day in a way that makes sense because he's got some little experiment Mm -hmm. that he's doing for school. And because he's just a kid for school, he's able to sneak it past security and get it Mm -hmm. onto the Riker's ship. And they're able to use it to set up a warp capability. Uh, There's some awesome warp stuff like there's this great scene where where Riker comes in to recruit warp and he says, you're outmanned, you're outgunned, what have you got? And Riker, ju- or Worf just sits there and thinks, and he says, guile, right? Guile, love that answer, yeah. yeah. And I, I, they, they should have taken that, him saying guile, and like put it on the Street Fighter video game when there was the, the character <laughs> named Guile. <laughs> oh, oh, so um, there's, there's some great Pulaski Can we drop, stuff. I, I want to drop that in. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do it. I want to get a clip of him saying guile. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll find it for you if you can't find it anywhere else. Okay. Um, so so let's see. Yeah, I think I think this 
kind of does um, the team a great the same kind of service that Voyage Home does to the original series team, where everybody has something cool to do. Uh, that on top of them having some interesting backup characters as well. And there, there's this great Pulaski line where, where Picard realizes he needs to go, quote, handhold an android because Data is depressed because Kilrami beat him at the Stratagema game. And, and right. Pulaski gives this very uh-huh. sarcastic, the burdens of command. And it's just, that's what Pulaski should have been. And it's so sad that, you know, it didn't really come until the very end of her season because if, if it started off that way, I think maybe she would have had uh, longer legs, so to speak. Yeah. And anyway, other things that I that I really like is there's a line in here where Picard says, because Kolrami is is making fun of Riker, says he's not serious, and Picard says, "Do not confuse style with intent." Right. Yes. And I love that Good line. Uh-huh. I love that line. I think that's such a great way to to uh, defend someone who's a great yeah. officer, but you know doesn't come off that way. Yeah, because Kolrami thinks he's frivolous and you know fraternizes too much and doesn't serious, and it's like. Yeah, no. You just don't understand his style, buddy. Like, yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to be cold yeah. and stoic all the time to be a good leader. Yeah, right. you don't have well, to right. be browbeating people and making fun of them the way Kolrami does. Right. Uh, okay, the the other thing is that there's a great uh, appearance by Armin Shimmerman as I think the only appearance of Ferengi in the second season. And this is kind of the last time they tried to make the Ferengi like evil and cruel before they kind of became more jokey. And it mm. was nice to see Armin Shimmerman still continue that and still do a good job with this role that, of course, would be, he'd become the, the, the spokes for Ringy for, I guess. Um, let's see. Other things. Okay, when the, when the action finally starts, the music is terrific, right? It's got this very energetic spirit to it that we wouldn't see mm. basically after season three of TNG at all in the franchise yep. until basically yep. Yep. 2009, the reboot. Where where it, it feels kind of like a you know a naval a naval campaign you definitely feel the the music uh, embiggens the the action because the action is yep. is pretty it's pretty small potatoes by our standards today but you don't feel that way because the music's so good and I yeah. love I love the thing they do where uh, they keep listing like different maneuvers that you don't really know what they are but they sound cool and Star Trekky right like <laughs> like. Like Picard says, let's initiate the Kuma maneuver. Okay, initiating Kuma right. maneuver, and then it goes over. And Jordy says, the Kuma maneuver. They're starting with that, right? Yeah, right. And we have we have no idea what it means, but it like it it, uh, it adds a lot of verisimilitude to the idea that these guys are in a military organization. They've taken strategy classes and they know this kind mm-hmm. of stuff, even if the writers are just making the names up, right? Yeah, yeah. A- a- anyway, I I absolutely love this episode. It's so much fun. It's quotable. It's what the you know one of those those gems from the early seasons that shows what the the series was going to become, and I, I was delighted to rewatch it preparing for this episode. Anyway, end of speech. What what did you guys think of peak performance? They have a really cool bluff in this as well. I think that's really cool and executed very nicely. Which is the whole thing where the Ferengi shows up and thinks this this starship must be of value because why would they be? hanging out with this old ship yeah and why would they be protecting it you know like what 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 could it possibly you know what secrets could it contain so of course he won't leave it alone you know the friendly captain won't leave it alone he thinks it must be something secret you know secret tech is in there or something and so of course the only way to get him to leave it alone is to just like 
to appear to have destroyed the Hathaway, the yeah. old ship. Yeah. And I love that they come up with this crazy, you know, basically we can jump to, you know, faster than light. So you, it appears for a split second, you know, to the naked eye sort of that it was destroyed, but it wasn't really fun little crazy thing. And Jordy gets to talk about stalling and like using a clutch, which Popping is really funny. Cause, yep. cause like, who would, because like, because, like, no one would actually speak that way colloquially in the 24th century at that point. But, of course, they have to write it that way for us in the sure. 20th century. So we get it. But it's, right. it's, it's, it's clever. It's cute. And, I, and it's a cool thing. It's a really cool, you know, scenario that they pull off. It's really quite fun. Yeah, and I love when Data comes up with the plan and when he tells everybody about it. Like, we're going to shoot a torpedo at you and you just have to bamf away at the exact yeah. right moment or you'll die. And, <laughs> you know, or you'll just blow up. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jordy says, Data, I think I hate this plan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Jared, when you started talking about what this episode was about, um, I was reminded that I had always thought of the the two parallel stories, which is the the one about the stratagema game with Data and Horami mm-hmm. and the thing about the actual um like war games thing that they're doing with Riker going to the other ship and Wesley and Worf and all that. I had had been thinking of those as being in two separate episodes. Oh, interesting. Because I, whenever I think of peak performance, I usually just think of the stratagema part of it. I don't know why oh, that just huh. stands out yeah. to me so no, much. The, the visual stands out. I think for most people, that's what they would think of is that scene. It kind of looks like a, a 4D Connect Four kind of yeah. playing. It's yeah, or Nightmare's Forest type of thing. Well, I guess because yeah. I was maybe partly too because the the last time I watched this episode was for when we talked about Dr. Pulaski and the shuttle pod. Oh, so you focused on her stuff. So I focused on her stuff, yeah. And, Mm -hmm. um, well, I watched the whole episode, but I was paying attention to her part, which had to do more with the stratagema game and and her uh, talking with Data and telling him to bust him up and all those. Bust him up, yeah. Because she's the one who gets him into it. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And, of course, this episode has that really great line, from Picard to Data about it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. Oh, that yeah. is not mm-hmm. a weakness. That is life. That is life. Yeah. yeah what yeah. a beautiful episode. Mm-hmm. So there's even in the sort of cheesy Data subplot because some of it is a little cheesy. I do like that he does almost get you know sort of butthurt about it because you know what <laughs> he's he's a, he's an android right so in theory he should you know all the calculations you know this this silly bag of meat should not be able to outcalculate him right. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that feeling in there. He's never that prideful, but there's a little bit of that, that where, mm-hmm. you know, he really should be able to outcalculate this, uh, 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 you know, a uh, humanoid, right? He should be able to do that. And then he doesn't. And it really takes him, you know, this, this moment with Picard to really reframe it and try for something, you know, a different goal. And I like that he tries for the goal of a stalemate, not actually to win per se. Yeah, and so it just goes on forever. Mm-hmm. Like he could just keep, and Data literally could keep doing this forever. He doesn't need to sleep, right? Sure, he could just keep playing level after level. Yeah, and so, you know, Kolarami just gets all upset and forfeits because he knows that this would just go nowhere, right? It would just go on and on forever. Sure, which, which is the whole purpose of the exercise is to learn to think creatively uh, against exactly against someone who can beat you. Mm-hmm. It's like they parallel these two plot lines. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good uh, Aristotelian unity of action in that. Uh, also, I like that the Hathaway is the same model of ship as the uh, Stargazer. They never, they never yep. mention it, but that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah constellation yep. class, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and you get yeah, and it's nice that we get to actually 
see a fair amount of the interior of that ship. We rarely get to see yeah the yeah. interior of other mm-hmm. ships. Usually they'll be sister ships of of our yeah, you know where right. we show where you know like, yeah. Galaxy class or Constitution yeah. class or whatever. So it was cool to see that. I, I think it's just a converted battle bridge that they use. It, it, it is. What it they, felt they, like it is. It is. They threw some twenty third century like L cars instead of twenty fourth century stuff on it and called it good, which is still right. fine. It, it works quite well, and makes it look like gee, these are all sort of you know somehow related ship designs, sure, right? Sure. It, it, it does a yep. an okay job. I also really like. Um, we're talking about the Wesley Science Fair thing, where they somehow it's a pretty cool thing where they somehow get a few little sad little chips of dilithium crystals to do something, and it's kind of cool that they actually talk about it. They show them, which is rare that they actually talk about and show. The crystal fragments they don't do that a lot and mm-hmm. they also actually have a really cool shot sort of looking from the inside of oh, the yeah, yeah. chamber yeah, of the hathaway shot. back out at jordy and wesley as they you know futz around with the sad little shards of crystal and stuff it's, it's a cool shot and it's a cool thing that you never really see the inner workings of you know the warp core let's say especially in yep. the older ship so again all kind of innovative you know, unique little things sprinkled in this episode. There's also a, a bit where you mentioned the Wesley Science Fair. I, I don't know if this was complicated for them to pull off, or if I should or shouldn't be impressed with this, but when he beams it over, it kind of hangs there for a second and then tips. Oh, I love that. And tips. Right? Great attention to detail there. Yeah, that, that is nice. Yeah, the mm-hmm. when they beam it, it's still, but then when it gets there, then the gravity kicks in and it tips it. And it, yeah. you just have to figure somebody, I don't know if Rick Sternbach or the director or whoever said, hey, let's try to do this. It would look kind of cool. And it does. It yeah. does. It works perfectly. It does. Totally in, does. Instead of being an obvious, like, you know, visual effect that they had to hold still, you know, it gives a real great yeah, good point. sense of life. Yeah. And of course, it surprises Jordy because he hears a little thunk and he looks and turns around and he's like, huh? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wesley, mm-hmm. what's this? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, I love this episode. So lots of lots of little love for stuff sprinkled throughout it. Yeah, good pick. Yep. Thank you. Yep, great Thank pick. You. Great picks all. Yeah, actually, these are all really great. Yeah, all worthy of your attention. Yeah, the only the yeah only one I got to rewatch was the Wink of an Eye, so I need to pay attention to, to the other two once we get off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to go back and watch these as well. There you have it, folks. The next four episodes that you should watch on Netflix. I mean, CBS All Access. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. CBS All Access. Sure. Yeah. Or Amazon Prime. Or, anyway, yeah. (laughs) Blu-rays, DVDs, uh, VHS. VHS, yeah. (laughs) Please don't watch it on VHS, though. It looks much better on streaming or (laughs) Blu-ray. Ah, good times, you guys. These are all really great. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming with us to discuss some of these underappreciated episodes. What episodes do you un- do you think are underappreciated that the greater fandom needs to pay attention to? Be sure to tweet us at trekmovie.com or comment in the comment section of tr- of our website. Be sure to like, <laughs> share, and subscribe, and all that other good internet stuff. Yep. Yes, please do. <laughs> all the oh, internet and d- points and, and ding the bell to get notifications. all right that does it for us you guys yep bye everybody bye everybody see you next time bye everybody you're out manned you're out gunned you're out equipped what else have you got guile